Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for the Cannon Fire podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes. So head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkamoli. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up the middle. That's intercepted at the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25, 20. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 170. It's been a minute. We've officially kicked off our off-season coverage of the Buccaneers Super Bowl champions, as you guys, I'm sure, are well aware of at this point. And joining us today, a returning guest. We had him on all the way back on episode 100. And here he is once again, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion. Number eight in the program, number one in our hearts, the people's champ. There are endless things I can introduce this guy as, but at the end of the day, Super Bowl champion punter Bradley Pinion joins the show. Welcome back to the show, my friend. I appreciate you having me back. Uh, Looking forward to it. Looking forward to catching up and uh, talking a little bit about this Super Bowl. Absolutely, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. How's your day going, Evan? I'm uh, doing really good and really excited to have uh, Bradley Pinion back on the show. Absolutely. So so we're excited to get your take on everything that happened this season and, of course, your experience as well. First thing i got to ask, man, how does it feel? I, I mean, Super Bowl champion. You know, it really hasn't sunk in yet, honestly. Um, it's still one of those, like, surreal, like, did, am I dreaming? Did this really happen? Uh, what just happened type moments. Um yeah, it hadn't sunk in at all. Maybe it'll sink in when we get the rings or I get a get a replica trophy or something, but it it, ha- it for sure has not sunk in at yeah. all. It, it's a crazy feeling. It's something that fans in Tampa Bay have been waiting far too long for, and for this team to make it happen this year, just a very special team, obviously, in Bucks history. But with everything coming together the way that it did this year, before the season, nobody really knew what was going to happen. I mean, even week by week, you knew the NFL was going to make – you know, good preparations in case of what was going to happen. But a lot of it felt like a big question mark. And here we are all these days later, every single game was played. And uh, I think at the end of the day, they did a good job of handling the situation. But I wanted to get your opinion on something else as well. While we're on the topic of winning the Super Bowl, 
you know, there's some other interviews I had read. Something you've talked about in interviews before was you watched the Panthers with Jake DeLome and Super Bowl 38. They ultimately lost that game to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Watching that game, would you like? Could you ever have imagined that you would ultimately win a ring with a guy like Tom Brady? No, no clue. Even, <laughs> even like I even got a funny story. It was like last year in the middle of the season, and Zach, our long snapper, he was like, "This, uh, we're gonna get Tom Brady this offseason." I was like, "There's no chance." Like, what are you talking about, dude? Never gonna leave New England. Like, he's set in stone that there's no chance. And him being from Boston was just, I just calculated it up to that. Like, yeah, whatever, dude. He's from Boston. And then, like, we get to the offseason and the, the speculation starts stirring. I texted him. I was like, dude, if you you called this last year in the middle of the season, oh, my God. <laughs> sure enough, when we signed him, I was like, dude, holy crap. And, he was, and then he was like, wait, watch, we're going to get Gronk, too. And I was like, you're lying. There's no chance. He's retired. He's not coming back. Sure enough, like, what was it, a week or two later? Yeah. I don't even know if it was a week later, Gronk's here. And I'm like, oh, my God, we have a shot at this thing. Might have to launch an investigation. There might have been some inside interference. Somebody was feeding him some info at some point. I mean, to be two for two on something like that. Insider trading, something along those lines. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, obviously Tom Brady, we know he's been to 10 Super Bowls. He he won that one versus the Panthers that we just talked about. And then obviously just won his seventh one, which with a a brand new team in in the first season when you didn't have an offseason, you didn't have really – you didn't have a preseason at all, very abbreviated training camp, something I'm sure you're not even used to. Uh, What was it like to be able to share the field on on the biggest stage in football, you know, with with a guy like Tom Brady? You know, honestly, it felt like it's another game. Um, You have that big, like – view of him when you're not on the same team as him. And then you go to the same team as him and you realize he's just another dude. He just loves football and prepares probably better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, and he elevates you. Um, he, he, he doesn't, ex- he expects it from you, but he doesn't like do it in a mean or demanding way. Honestly, he's just, you see the way he goes about his work. And then you're like, man, I need to step my game up. I gotta do I gotta, I guess I gotta compete with him. Um, and you just, it's honestly really cool, um, but it, once you get rolling and you're just realizing, like, he's just he's just my quarterback, um, and I got to have his back when he messes up, honestly. And so that's when that's when you just kind of, like, get into the rhythm of it. And when, when we finally got to the Super Bowl, it was like, all right, this is just another game. Um, go out there and do what we're doing all year long, and we'll be just fine. So, yeah. Go ahead, Evan. No, I just wanted to, to touch on, you know, we did speak about, you know, you talking to Zach Triner midseason and then, you know, the offseason, and there's a ton of quarterback questions, right? There's, you know, who's going to be the quarterback? There was five or six different options, I think, at one point. Yeah. Um, and then finally, you know, they land on Tom Brady, but there was a lot of, like you said, speculation leading up. What was your first reaction when you first heard the news? Schefter said it, like, this is happening. You know, what was your first reaction to that news? Well, first, you'd have thought I'd have signed a new contract. That's how much my phone was blowing up. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was excited, honestly. Um, I love Jameis. He was one, he's one of my great friends. Um, so to, for Jameis to follow up by the GOAT, I mean, you, for Jameis' sake, you kind of have to be like, all right, well, if anybody's going to follow me up, it's, it's going to be him. Um, but I was, I was excited to get to work, honestly. Um, I was excited to see what this year would hold. Um, and then there was that little bit of a – expectation to be like all right we got to be on it um because there's going to be a real good chance that we're going to win this thing um he's just that that's just the kind of player he is and the caliber of player that he is and then once like once you sign Gronk and once you sign AB and once you sign Leonard Fournette 
then you're like, all right, like we're just putting the dream team together. Like I got, I really got to be on it now. Yeah. Um, and you're going to do that. You're going to try to do that every year. You're going to try to be on it every year, but it's almost like a, an unspoken, like, all right, you've been putting a hundred in now let's put 120 in. And it, I think our organization as a whole needed that. Um, we were, we're a really young team. We still are a young team. Um, and we need to learn how to win. That's why, that's why you saw that little bit of like a, I guess you're a lull in the middle of the season. We started off losing to the saints and then winning a few. And then like that Chicago, Kansas city, um, LA spree right there before bye week or right at bye week. We needed to learn how to win. We were young guys. We had a stud quarterback. We had some stud running backs. We had probably the greatest, greatest wide receiver room of all time. I mean, like you, you got to learn, like, you can't rely on just these one or two people or three people to do, do it all. It takes a whole team to win it all. And then like that defense started meshing together. Our defense came on and um, our offense started clicking. You can just feel it. You can just feel the steam building. You can just feel the engine start to roll. And I mean, it was it was fun fun to be a part of. Made my life real easy. All I do is kick kickoffs and open field goals. So. Was there a point this season that you can kind of look at as the turning point of the season? I think I remember we asked you this question last year, but. You know, we here on the show, I think we kind of look at halftime of that Falcons game in Atlanta where, you know, we're down pretty big at the half, and then all of a sudden everything turns around, the offense starts clicking better than they had weeks prior, and then they go out and they win the damn thing. But as a guy who was in the locker room every single week, is there a moment in particular that you can kind of pick where, you know, like you had said, this team finally learned how to win? Um... I'd say really that last loss to LA where it was like, we should have kind of won the game. Yeah. Um, our team kind of like got together in the locker room. You could just tell like it kind of pissed everybody off. So it was one of those situations where it was like, all right, like we're about to roll and we're about to roll big. And then when we, um, who we go, who did we have after LA? We had Kansas city game. Yeah. And then that Kansas City game where we got down early. And then we came back and really had a chance to win that one. Uh-huh. And it was like, all right, we can do this. Kansas City's arguably one of the best team in the league at that point in time. It's like, all right, we got this. Like, we can do this. And then our defense, like I said, came on out of nowhere. And it was just like, all right, we're rolling and we're ready. Like, let's go. Oh, yeah. So you bring up that, that Kansas City game. Obviously, you played Kansas City in the Super Bowl. What did the, a lot of people look at, you know, before – there's two weeks to analyze the Super Bowl matchup. So a lot of people brought up a lot of different points, and they said that, you know, one of the big keys was, and if you look in that second half, the Bucks got down, I believe, 17 nothing quick uh, yeah. before you could really blink. But then the defense, it was only a, what, I, I believe it was 27-24 final. Yeah. So, I mean, the defense held the Chiefs to 10 points in the second half. Did you guys basically look at that and say, like, look, like we can hang with these guys. Just don't shoot yourselves in the foot early on. Uh, sort of. Um, I mean, we hundred percent, we hundred percent knew going in at halftime on that game. We were like, yeah, we shot ourselves in the foot, but we knew we still had a chance. Um, our defense is the best even defense in the league, hands down. You can't run the sweep on us. It's really hard to throw the ball deep because our defensive line is going to get to you so quick. You got JPP, Shaq Barrett, Ndamukong Sue, Will Goldston. I mean, all these guys that are going to get to you. If you blitz Devin White and Levante, you're you're screwed. So it's just like one of those. It's one of those things where it's like. We, we knew all we had to do was our defenses had to play the, be them and play themselves um, and pin their ears back and go after them. And 
we knew we had it honestly like we our confidence all week of the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl was through the roof um to the point where I think BA had to kind of like humble us a little bit mm-hmm. um in practice to kind of let, let us let us loose in the Super Bowl um so it was a uh, it was a fun 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 two weeks and a fun fun into the season honestly and once we beat the Saints the way we beat the Saints we, we I feel like everybody just knew it was yeah. like all right like we're gonna, we've, already, we've already beat Green Bay we're gonna go up there and beat Green Bay again like and then Kansas City coming to our place like no, no chance of beating us twice it's so exciting to look at because, you know, from that week 13 by week onwards, you know, obviously you had every right to feel the way that you did going into Super Bowl 55 because you had probably the toughest road in the playoffs. I mean, you play, you know, a good Washington defense. And then, you know, let's be honest, Heineke was not a guy that I don't think they were as ready for as they should have been. He he, he definitely made his money that game. Um, but you stood tall against them. You beat the Saints, which I'm sure felt damn good. And then you go be Aaron Rodgers, the MVP in Lambeau in January. Are you kidding me? So no doubt you guys are riding high, but but here we are. Super Bowl 55 is approaching. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's confident. Going back to Brady really quickly, we kind of heard all these stories come out. He's texting guys every single day that we will win this game, which he was ultimately right. But we've heard a lot about this pregame speech, and, and you know, you don't have to throw everything out there, but a lot of people have just heard about this infamous pregame speech right before the game. Is there anything that you can, you know, resuscitate or, or try and, I, I don't know, just let us in on, on something? If you if not, it's cool. But, you know, we've heard a I'm lot gonna about be 100%, it. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I wasn't even in there. Oh. As a specialist, <laughs> as a specialist, we go out into the field early before the game to warm up. Okay. Um, and so I didn't hear it. So I heard about it once we got onto the field. Guys were like, "Dude, we're gonna we're getting ready to roll this team." Yeah. But it was like, it, I, I I have yet to hear any of it. So like, I'm just as curious as y'all are. What was said? What happened? So <laughs> I wish I could tell y'all something, but I have nothing. Well, then let me ask another question. You know, uh, from your point of view on the thing, you're in Raymond James Stadium. The Bucks are the first ever home team in the Super Bowl. What is that like? I mean, even when you're just, you know, pregame warming up and you see all those people, a lot of cardboard cutouts as well, but on TV it looked like a pretty damn full stadium. You know, what's that experience like? Because I'm sure that atmosphere is just is is unlike anything else. Yeah, uh, I wish it wouldn't have been a COVID year. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I do wish. Um, all in all, it was awesome. Like playing in your home stadium is a huge advantage, I feel like. Strictly because you know the wind, especially as a specialist, you know the wind, you know the turf, you know all, you know, you know the stadium. Um, I mean that was huge. But I think one thing that people didn't realize was the logistical nightmare of playing in the host, like the host team playing in their stadium. The logistical nightmare of like not being, like just being there the whole entire time, and people coming into town, and like. I hate to sound bad to my family, but like people want to stay in your house and you're like, nah, I got a game to play. Like this might be a vacation for y'all, but like y'all gonna have to go stay somewhere else. <laughs> like, I, I'll, I'm gonna put y'all in a hotel. Y'all, y'all go to a hotel. Um, and that was, that was honestly like, I mean, I've never experienced Super Bowl before, but usually you're going to be somewhere off in the distant, like somewhere off somewhere else. And I have to worry about all that type of stuff coming to people coming in your home. So that was something that was different, but I think it's a huge advantage, honestly. Um, we got we were the home team, which was just awesome. So we got our own locker room. It would have been a little weird if we would have had to get the away locker room. That would have been a little weird. 
or the away sideline, that'd have been different. But it was the perfect storm. We had our own locker room, our home bent sideline. Like we were the home team. Like you can't ask for much more of a advantage than that. And and, and we're wearing a white on pewter, which undefeated in the this season when when they yeah. wore that. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, man. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you brought up the COVID exactly. year. Wanted to kind of get your take yeah. on this as well. Mid December, you were placed on the reserve list. Ultimately, ruled a close contact. Uh, close contact, and then you did end up playing that game against Atlanta. But during the season, you've obviously got a lot on your plate as an athlete, as a player in the NFL. But what was it like having to manage the possibility of COVID-19 as well? Because, you know, it's just another hurdle at the end of the day. You know, for the athletes, it was easy because you just go to work and come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you're exhausted by the time you get home anyway. Um, but you really got to give kudos to the whole team and how they handle it because we had very few cases. Um, and you got to give credit to the wives. I mean, my wife basically put her life on hold for, I don't know, how, how long is the season? Six months, eight months, however long yeah. it went. Um, just so we could play this season and have a chance to win the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Um, so you got to give credit to her, um, holding down the fort at home, not, not doing her usual, like, uh, shopping or going out and doing anything. Honestly, like she, she was at home. She was with her pups at home, which is not an easy task. Um, and so I got to give credit to her for the way that she she went throughout the season and really all the, the wives um, throughout the whole team. Um, it's the way that they – because that's how you're going to get it. I mean, it's going to be really hard for us yeah. to get it going to the facility and back unless you're just a close contact at the facility. Um, but that's that's how you're going to get it. The kids at schools and the wives at homes going out and doing stupid things or going to the malls and whatnot. And I give credit to my wife. She, she didn't do any of that. Um, she, she was kind of a woman on a mission. Um, cause she, I think she kind of knew the possibility that we had. Um, so a lot of credit goes out to them. So when, when you were placed on, on the, on the reserve list, I believe it was you, Zach Trier and Ryan Suckup, but the Bucks didn't know if they were going to have a special teams unit, right? <laughs> Getting into Atlanta. What was that like? Because obviously this is something that nobody has experienced, right? Yeah. So what was that like being on that reserve list? Were there any limitations? What did you have to do to get off the reserve list? Stuff like that. So we we joked about at the beginning of the year, like, man, there's gonna be at least one team with the whole special teams unit gets wiped out. Sure enough, it was us. <laughs> so um I got a call on like a mon Sun Monday night. Um it was like, Hey, you've been in close contact, you, Zach, and Ryan are all gonna have to like quarantine basically. I'm like, crap, like, okay. Um what was the worst is because we had a wife me and Zach had wives at home. We actually had to go to a hotel for three days. Mm. Um, and that was the worst part. I think I would have been okay if I'd have been, like, been in my home and do my own thing in my house and just be at home for three days or four days, however long it was. But ha- the fact of having to go to the hotel, sit in the hotel, go stir crazy in a hotel for three days, um, that was a tough part. But to get back, we had to pass, I think it was three or four tests. Um, and then um, have no symptoms. And thankfully, all of us um, passed three or four tests and then had no symptoms. Um, it turned out being a false positive for who had it anyway. Um, so it was it was honestly a huge blessing. Um, but all three of us, we'd be FaceTiming each other every day being <laughs> like, what was your test? What was your test? What was your test? Because um, we it was a very high likelihood. I mean, as a specialist, you're together all the time. So it was a very high likelihood. If one of them tests positive, we were all going to test positive. Right. Um, so it was, it was honestly, as a specialist, missing practice wasn't huge. 
um, just because you're doing the same thing every single week, most of the time anyway. Um, what was the worst with being in that hotel room? Like being in that hotel room was sucked. Yeah. It definitely seems like it's another level of isolation because, like you said, you know, your house and everything that you're familiar with is one thing, but when you're kind of away from everybody, I'm sure it can, you know, just get to feeling weird. But I wanted to ask about that special teams unit. We talked to you last year about just the closeness of that group, and then obviously over the offseason, that special teams unit had a swap at the kicker position. Buccaneers brought in Ryan Suckup, who has been. I mean, just had a great year. You know I mean, t- set the record, set the record for the highest scoring season in Buccaneers history, I believe. Uh, what was it like working with him this season and everything he brought to the team? I mean, he's winning, you know, Impact Player of the Year awards for a lot of people just because of how he stabilized the kicking game and, and the good season you guys had. Yeah, he um, adding him was a a, a good add. Um, he's awesome, dude. Honestly, love him to death. I've known him for a very long time now. Uh, we're both being from North Carolina and then having that South Carolina Clemson rivalry going on. So nice. it's a lot of fun having him in the locker room. Um, but we, I, I personally think we have one of the best push teams unit in the league. Um, Zach's Mr. Reliable. You, you didn't hear his name all year long, which is what you want yeah. from a long snapper. Yeah. Um, right. He was Mr. Reliable. And then suck up. I mean, was Mr. Automatic. I mean, I, I think he had like what two blocked and actually like missed one or something, something stupid, crazy like that, where it was just one heck of a year. Um, and that makes my job easy. Not having to worry about a long snapper or a field goal kicker makes me makes my life really easy. I can go out there and bang some punts and smack some kickoffs, and we're ready to rock and roll. And just our group is really tight. We're all men of faith, so we're able to talk about that. When you talk about your faith, it always brings you together. Um, and I, we, I, like I said, I think we arguably had one of the best rush teams um, group of three guys in the league. Um, and I think the numbers would show that. And I think having another veteran presence like Ryan in our room is great. Um, Zach, I mean, he might as well be a veteran, even though it's only year. It was only year two for him, and then um, got me. So I think it was. I think it was awesome. I think our group, like I said, I'm gonna keep reiterating. I think we were one of the best in the league, and I really, really hope um, BA and Jason keep us all together. Honestly, um, I'll be the first to say it. I think when you have a group like we did and perform as well as we did, you you want to keep that nucleus on your special teams together. So. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I can't speak. For it, but <laughs> now, that's what I hope to from your point of view, and something that I don't think, frankly, gets talked about enough, what does it take to be a holder? Like a lot of people look at, you know, the punting, they look at the kickoffs, they look at the field goal kicker, but what does it take to be a holder? Like, is, is there a good technique that goes into it? Is there stuff that you make sure you have to get down pat? Because listen, when Ryan Suckup nails a 52 yarder, everybody's like, yeah, Ryan Suckup, but. You know, God forbid he missed a 52-yarder. The first thing everybody's going to look at, the snap, the hold, and everything that goes into that. So as a holder, you know, share what that's about because I just don't think a lot of people hear about it enough. So I always mess with uh, Mike Greenberg, our, our money guy, that he should pay me like wide receiver because I always have the most catches on the team. <laughs> uh, just always messing with them. But, I mean, it's I, honestly, it's my favorite job that I do. Um, I had a great veteran in Phil Dawson who really taught me how to hold. He used to make me do like 100 – hundred snaps off of a jug every, every single day. Cause I didn't hold in college. So when I got to the NFL, I had held in practice in college, but not really in, in a game. Um, and so he used to let me shoot a hundred. He used to shoot a hundred of those low jugs at me every single day. And I'd have to catch it, put it down. And I'd look at him. He'd give me a nod if it was good or bad. So like I did that every single day of my rookie year. Um, so I bet you I credit holding to him. Um, and it's just fun, honestly. Um, it's something that I like to do. Um, it's one of those like, 
you don't want your name to be called type things. Like you just want right. to fly under the radar. Just like, no, I don't even want anybody to know that I'm holding. I just want to be able to catch it, put the ball down, <laughs> and then run off the field, go grab my kickoff tee. Uh, but it's fun. Um, and like I said, I think I should get paid like wide receiver. Between punts and field goals, I feel like I have the most catches on the team. Yeah, and I mean, you you have the most reliable ones because I, I don't think you ever dropped a ball. So, well, I had knock on some wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, but I mean, that that's a good point that you bring up because that's another thing where if you mess up, that's when people are going to notice you. But if you don't mess up, you know, just like just like Zach Triner, you don't mess up, nobody's going to notice you. Same thing with like uh, offensive linemen, right? Offensive linemen could play 50 snaps, fantastic. They play that 51st snap, allow a sack, and they're on the you know the the crap list for everybody. So I think, I think a perfect example is that it's Ali Marquette. I mean, he right. kind of goes under the radar every single year. I mean, not if you're a Bucks fan, but if you look around the league, um, he goes under the radar every single year just because the dude doesn't really mess up. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the best guards in the league. Yeah, he doesn't like he's not going to wow you or anything like that unless you just know what you're looking at for offensive line. But I mean, he's one of the. I mean, he's the arguably one of the top five guards in the league. And it, I mean, when you got like him, Ryan Jensen, Kappa, who's arguably another one of the best guards in the league, um, Donovan Smith, and Tristan Wirfs. Like my God, the season Tristan had it's was yeah impeccable. Um, I, I look at uh I look at Alex Kappa and the first thing I look at is just how tough he is, man. Like last season against the Rams, I'm pretty sure he broke his arm or you know, broke a bone in his arm about halfway through that game. Continued to play. I mean he had one he had incredible development over these last two years. Unfortunately he did get that injury late in the year. But I, I wanted to ask the toughness factor, right? Not just, that not that you would ever find yourself in this situation, but let's say you're out at a bar, somebody's roughing you up. If you have to pick one player on the team to have your back in a fight, I, I feel like a lot of people want to, you know, cop out and pick one of the offensive linemen. But like, do you have anybody else in your mind? Who are you thinking of? JPP. Yeah. <laughs> just, just because that was a quick dude, answer. Just because the dude has a little bit of a screw loose, and I love him for it. Um, definitely, definitely him. Yeah, he, uh, he doesn't even have the ball. This might sound mean, but he doesn't even have the ball up his fist. He's already kind of like a pre-made fist over there. So, <laughs> it's, good he, point. He, I, and that's my guy. So, I, um, <clears throat> so I mean, I I think any consideration for Vita Vea there, just that that big guy just rumbling through people. No, he's a big teddy bear. <laughs> him, and, him and Sue, him and Sue both are just big teddy bears. They they're they're mean on the field, but off the field they're teddy bears. I'll tell you, man, I, I was um, we were out at the boat parade out in downtown and a buddy of mine had a 32 footer that we were out on and we had a great time. We actually had parked in the perfect spot. Well, I'm sure you've seen the highlights of Tom throwing the Lombardi cambrake, catching it. I mean, the highlight of the parade for a lot of people. We were right there, like in the picture that was front page on TMZ. You can you can see us literally in the middle of the photo. And I kind of want to get it framed in my house because we had a goat, a living goat on our boat. Yeah, um, it's I our saw buddy. that. I saw there was a picture of like somebody with a gut on their boat. That was y'all. Yeah. yeah, that was me, man. That was that was myself, my buddy Lummy from work. We have uh, we have some some goats that live behind the radio station, and uh, Baby is the one that we take with us everywhere. He is a social butterfly. I mean, he's a good time, and and he was having a lot of fun out there. But we were hoping somebody would see it because it was it was a lot of effort that went into That's it. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. But, so um, I I want to I want to touch on that boat parade really fast. So. What was that like? Because you, you've seen a bunch of videos and stuff. Who was on your boat? What was your experience like on that boat parade? 
first of all, the most epic thing I've probably ever been a part of. It probably beat winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. Nobody really knew what to expect because um, it was kind of thrown together last minute. But, like, it, it was insane. Uh, I was on the boat with all the offensive linemen, all the specialists, strength and conditioning staff, equipment staff, trainers, all those guys. And we were on one of those big, big old boats. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. Like, we had all the wives on there. I mean, it was a blast. I, it, yeah, that would be one of those things that like I remember for a lifetime, and it was insane. Was there any particular offensive lineman that went a little went a little crazy? I mean, I you could probably guess it. I mean, if, if you had to guess one offensive lineman that just has might have a little screw loose, Ryan Jensen. There you go. Really, <laughs> really. It's Man. just Ryan, Ryan's a good time. Um, all the offensive line are a good time, honestly. So it's uh, it was fun. Hell yeah, man. It's funny because, like, Ryan will do uh, – he'll stream, like, Warzone every once in a while. He'll do live streaming, and I catch those all the time. And, you know, you watch those streams, and I just – I definitely picture him as a guy who parties, but I don't know. I didn't picture him as being that guy at the parade, but, I mean, He's everybody – He just won the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, man. I mean, Tom Brady was that guy at the parade. So, yeah. you know, every, <laughs> after a championship, you have every right to party however the hell you want to. Um, exactly. <laughs> Wanted to ask you one more question about this team, and it has to do with next year. You know, expectations coming into this season with the offseason that the Bucks had. You bring in Brady, you get Gronk out of retirement, and then throughout the course of the season, you get a bunch more talent. Antonio Brown joining the roster. Regardless of what pieces stay and go, I think if the core is kept together, we talked about the defense first and foremost. We, we know Brady's going to come back and give it another go, but... This is a team who has all the potential in the world to make another run for it. And it's a team that at this point is only going to get better, which I think is really scary for the rest of the NFL. Is there any one part of this team that I think you're most excited about or, or anything that you're kind of excited about heading into next season with, with where this team can ultimately end up again? Yeah, uh, I think we had the best locker room in the NFL. I think it showed this year when you, bring, when you can bring in a bunch of superstars. You can bring in A.B., Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady, Gronk, Mike, Chris, and not a single one of them really like pout all year long, I guess is the right word. Um, this speaks to your locker room. It speaks to the brotherly love in the locker room of, all right, you're going to get yours, so I'll get mine later. Um, and I, that's what I look forward to the most, having that locker room again. Um, it reminded me of my time at Clemson um, when we were so good at Clemson and just the way the locker room was. Um, everybody, they weren't playing for themselves, they were playing for the man next to them. And I feel like that's really what our locker room did. Um, one for yourself is for the man next to you. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that locker room again and making another run at it. I mean, it's something that's hard to do. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. There's a lot of ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And I mean, it's it's tough. Um, and you got to stay lo- locked in for, I don't know, eight months. I mean, all, all last week of July to what, second week in February. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, you got to stay locked in and disciplined. Um, that's it's tough. And our locker room, a credit to our locker room and our coaching staff and our equipment staff and our training staff and um, our strength and conditioning staff. I mean, and they're, we have the best, the best, the best of the best all around. Um, and that's what I look forward to, just being, being with those guys and being with those girls and those people. Um, and it's, it's truly awesome. So what, one last thing about the locker room before we get you out of here. 
He said, obviously, with the COVID year, I know Tom Brady has spoke about this, that there's some players he hasn't even talked to, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's just so limited and you, and you have to be so isolated. What was that like? And, and how much are you looking forward to potentially, hopefully, being in a more, you know, normal locker room? Because, yeah, it's like it's normalcy when you're there, but there still is a lot of restrictions now that weren't normally in place. So what was that like? And how much are you looking forward to getting back to sort of normal? It took some years getting used to. Um, but it was one of those things, once you kind of got used to it, it was just, it felt like day-to-day operations. I mean, you're going to do what you had to do to be there and to be able to play. I don't think a single person didn't want to play this year. Even the people that opted out, it was more for family reasons or for health reasons, more so than not wanting to play. Um, so I think once once you got there and once you got rolling, it was just kind of like, oh, this is what we got to do to play. Um, but I hope we have a normal year next year. Um, hopefully this COVID thing is, is gone, um, or at least eased up enough to where we can we can go about regular football and have enough have full stadiums i mean i think that was one of the things i missed the most was full stadiums just those atmospheres i mean you hate playing in new orleans but the atmosphere in new orleans is kind of unbeatable so like you 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 miss those and you miss that especially that first game in new orleans it was just weird yeah having no fans out there it was you could hear like a pin drop it was it was uh definitely a little weird I think uh-huh. BA said in his post game presser that it, you know, the atmosphere, it sounded like a, a louder than usual dinner party. Like it yeah. wasn't, you know, it definitely wasn't a football atmosphere at all. One more thing I wanted to ask you, and it has to do with just some stuff you're involved in. Is there anything, any charities, any causes you wanted to promote? I know you had the, uh, the touchback to give back program yeah. on your Instagram, all the info posted there as well, but anything in particular you wanted to kind of get the word out on. Yeah. So touchback to give back. Um, you can still donate now that the season's over. Um, but we raised a good bit of money on Touchback to give that, so we're proud of that. And I did that one in conjunction with my uncle um, and his company. So that was that was really fun to do, and we'll probably do that again next year if I have a guest. Um, so that was fun. That one benefited Convoy of Hope, um, and Convoy of Hope does stuff all across the world, all across the nation. Um, they, they help the needy, and they help the people with disaster relief and just food for the needy and COVID relief. And it, it was really fun to do that. And we also did Punch for Pups again. Um, kind of did, did, did a little more under the radar this year um, just because of COVID. And it was one of those situations where um, instead of going in and picking the dogs like we did last year, we just kind of basically sent the money to the shelter and was like, hey, the first person to come in after the game or the first few people to come in after the game um, gets, gets the dog for free. Um, and we ended up, ended up being awesome um, and having like 21, 22 dogs adopted. Um, which was huge, which is awesome. Um, so those are the two main things we got going on right now. Um, like I said, you can still donate. I think the link is still up on my bio on Instagram if you want to donate to Touchback to Give Back. Uh, we'll definitely still take the donations even though the season's over. Or just wait till next year and double up next year, you know? Yeah, there you go. Bradley, thank you so much for joining the show. It was a pleasure talking to you, getting to hear about this you know, Super Bowl experience, a great season that the Buccaneers have put together. Look forward to everything that you have in the works and looking forward to a great season next year. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate y'all. Absolutely, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out on YouTube or if you listen to us on any of our audio outlets as well. We do appreciate your support. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. And, of course, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter, at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. You can also follow my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at Bucks underscore Daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. And you can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. 
I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our special guest, Bradley Pinion. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Got some free agency discussions happening as things start moving around here in the offseason. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.